In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. We've done our deep dives, and now we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs and having a chat about what's not gone on and what's happening. And uh, I'm joined with my boy, Ian. Right, right, right. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just got done watching some Chelsea Liverpool, uh, some football. You were updating me on how the the match was now called the Carabao Cup, formerly the League Cup, formerly the Carling Cup. It's like I, I these guys and these sponsors over there, it's like watching bowlers, you know, with so many sponsors on them. But good match. Unfortunately, the uh, the Chelsea goalkeeper uh, kicked the ball out to I think we're Paul somewhere at in Portugal right now. So I don't think that one's going to land anytime soon. Yeah, it was nearly as high as Josh Gordon. <laughs> There's an see the one thing is you can always bring back a Josh Gordon thing, but if you want a new one, I don't know if you saw this recently, but former Browns offensive tackle Greg Robinson <laughs> got busted with another couple hundred pounds of weed. I'm still trying to figure out how he wasn't in prison for the first time when he got caught by the Customs and Border Patrol with like 300 pounds of weed. Somehow he didn't spend a lot of time in the clink for that. And he was back hauling another 160 pounds of weed. So maybe Gordon at least smoked himself. Greg Robinson is just trying to distribute more weed to the, like the entire West Coast. So, yeah, Greg Robinson, uh, I think it's time for a new profession. As they said in Shawshank, maybe you should try something else. It doesn't seem like you're very good at the drug smuggling. Yeah, so we'll obviously jump onto the one bit of contract news that we've had, um, and that is Jack Conklin. So reworked his deal, um, was due 12... 12- he restructured? No, reworked, he- reworked. <laughs> we'll, we'll get onto this next, uh, the whole restructure nonsense that people love coming out with, because it's not a restructure of this. Um, they've not... They could have restructured the deal, um, but that it's completely reworked in a new style of deal. What they've done is they've moved his um, 12 million, 8 million of it is fully guaranteed. Um, so I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting to see how they do this because they could backload it um, or they could give it to him as guaranteed base salary. Um, we haven't had a official word on that. And if they say made it a signing bonus or option bonus, then it would spread over each of the next three years um, and help just bring down their cap charge for this year. And what they've done is that last four of the 12 million is earnings that he can still make, but he has to play between 55 and 75% of snaps. So where it's an unlikely to be earned incentive and the difference between likely and unlikely is did you achieve it last year? And obviously didn't play 55% of snaps last year. It will count. It doesn't count on the cap until next season. So if he plays, 75 say he plays 100% of snaps it would only count the 8 million for the 2022 season and then we'd lose 4 million of 2023 cap salary because it knocks on to the year after um so it's kind of a deal that works really well for both sides because Jack Conklin had no job security if they'd have had someone fall to them in the draft at 13 maybe um 
Ekuo or something expected to go it's high. the NC State offensive tackle. This guy. Um, if he had fall to 13, maybe they could have done that. This way, he knows he is 100% safe. If it is just guaranteed salary, they could look to trade him. It might be something they decide to do, and that's a perfectly movable deal um, as long as he's healthy. But he knows he's then safe. The Browns get some reprieve because if he's injured, they can use that $4 million and sign a depth piece and that sort of solid backup, and we'll touch on some guys later. But it's a perfect deal for both sides. He gets job security. They get a bit of cap flexibility, and um, they can then invest that extra money in a security on an OT3 because they might not want Hudson to be that guy. Do you think maybe that money could go to, say, Chris Hubbard? That's Ooh. right about his price range. Or some other names that we'll discuss later. Yeah, on. well, I'm just talking about we'll guys in the roster. Now, but it's certainly Chris Hubbard is in that mix. Yeah, so just to kind of translate what Jack just said, and I'm just pulling this from over the cap. So in essence, what the Browns did with this restructure is guarantee that Jack Conklin will be on the roster for the 2022 season. So just based on the over the cap, it he says traded, what they, he could be traded. But I'm saying, you know, there was a lot of talk about him getting cut and all this other stuff. I had heard originally that his surgery was successful. And when I say that, I'm not saying that like he's going to be months ahead of rehab. Basically, when you go in for, you know, some sort of patellar tendon surgery, there's always the risk that you get in, you know, Browns obviously know about staph infections for you longtime fans out there. Um, there could be complications where things just when they got in there, the knee was a little dirtier. There's a lot of built up cartilage and stuff like that. So when Conklin surgery went down, it was just basically came out that, Everything went as planned. So it was, it was accomplished and completed accordingly, which then puts him on your nine month trajectory for rehab, which kind of makes him available. But now by doing this, I mean, just looking at this deck, Jack, it says that if he were to be released before June 1st, he counts as $17 million in dead cap and actually has an inverse of $6 million in the wrong way to the cap. It's not a cap savings. It's actually cap charge. So in essence, what that did is that created the flexibility you're talking about, but it also guaranteed that, you know, the Browns do at this point plan to have Jack Conklin, like I said, barring a trade, you never know. Um, but it, they do have plans for Jack Conklin to, to start and play considerable snaps in the 2022 season. So the nice part about that, it gets rid of this Batonio to left tackle wills to right tackle Jimmy's and Joe's and all the pros. It looks like one of the biggest pieces of the Browns running game, Jack Conklin, is on schedule to complete his rehab. And, you know, I know a lot of people out there kind of have labeled him as like an injury guy. Jack Conklin has been a pretty consistent, you know, piece, whether it was in Tennessee or whether it was in Cleveland. I mean, this this is a really the first time he's battled. He had an injury, um, I believe, a few years ago in Tennessee where he missed a half a season. But outside of that, he's been 16 games every single year. And he's one of the key reasons that Derrick Henry was so successful in the run game in Tennessee. And he's one of the key pieces of the Browns offensive line when it comes to the run game. You know, when we talk about that Raiders game, trying to get third and three and we're running the ball and stuff like that, you want to run behind Jack Conklin. This is a guy who is dominant in the run game. He is one of the best offensive tackles in the run game in the entire NFL. And I think this contract shows you that the Browns value Conklin. And I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back next year and bounces back that they then start looking to maybe keep him around. One of the reasons, remember when they did that, uh, that it was a three-year deal in the Browns and then it had the void years. It was like the three-year $42 million, but then it had the void year at the end. 
the theory was they wanted Conklin to have, or Conklin's agents wanted to have one more shot at the apple before he got into being 30 years old. If he comes back next year and plays a full season and dominates, don't be surprised that the Browns look to lock him up, you know, for that extended future to keep him here because he's been a great piece of the offensive line when he's out there. I think it'll be tough to time up just because they've signed Pat- uh, Petonio and uh, Teller. Um, and I, I, th- it w- I think it then comes into the debate of if next offseason they're looking at drafting a rookie quarterback, that frees up that money of going, hey, half the money we're going to save by not extending Baker and we're going to put into a rookie quarterback. You go, actually, we will spend that on a um, right tackle in Conklin rather than draft someone. And then you, you might spend that on a, a bigger de- defensive piece. Um, it's not one you're going to spread as much through the team. Who knows that that could be a, an edge opposite miles. It could be a bigger defensive tackle piece. Um, so that you almost need them to move on to a rookie quarterback to make the Conklin decision really good. But if he has a great season, that's offensive tackles get paid. That could be a third or fourth round comp pick. Yeah. And also the other thing is, is if at this rate, let's, let's just call it how it is. It's not like Jed Wills is lining up for a 15 to $18 million a year contract in a couple of years. So it could be one of those ones where maybe the Browns figure out the quarterback situation, but that left tackle position is still maybe a little bit in limbo. And you're like, well, we, we like what we see out of Wills, but he's not a guy that's going to get, you know, Taylor Lewan $16 million money or Ronnie Stanley money where you get 20 million a year. So if Wills is a guy that they're still developing and you want to give the money to Conklin, we talked about the sequencing of deals because Conklin runs up right about the time. We know they're going to have to make the decision on wills after this year, whether they're going to pick up that fifth year option. So we're going to know a lot about the offensive tackle position going into next off season. Could even trade one of those guards in a year's time. If Conklin's also, absolute balling and say Teller has the sort of second half of the season that he did last year for a whole year, you never know. I think the biggest miss is the fact that we haven't seen this picture of Wyatt Teller throwing a Traeger grill over his shoulder like his wife tweeted. So curious if Carly has something there she can put out there for the rest of us. But before we go into epic the um, epic run yeah. time, before we go into the the free agents and stuff, which is the goal of this, I want to kind of help people understand proper language. So. Over the last week, we've seen that the Green Bay Packers have restructured eligible veterans in the names of Kenny Clark, um, Aaron Jones, and who is the third one? Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari. They are eligible veterans to be restructured because they have remaining years on their contract. So if you look, I believe Bakhtiari's now his cap hit next year is like a quarterback. Yeah. It's insane. So... You can't restructure people in the last year of their contract, if that makes sense. Now, Jack, there's unless been some you add a void here. Unless, okay, so unless you add a void here, which real money. it's yes. So when people come out and say that there's a lot of Browns players, specifically one wide receiver in general, to restructure his deal, okay, if you are owed $16 million in the final year of your deal, why, how would you restructure? So I'll put this question to you, Jack. How do you restructure Jarvis Landry's final year of his contract where he's making $16 million? How would a GM do that? Or more importantly, say they want to keep Jarvis here. 
what would be the correct way of going about that? And what is a more realistic thing instead of all the people out there throwing that Jarvis Landry can restructure a contract, which he can't. Yeah. So anyone talking about a restructure for Jarvis is just using completely the wrong terminology. Um, I understand what they mean, but they're, they're saying the wrong thing. So you've got two options with a um, what you would do with Jarvis Landry. You wouldn't restructure it because you're not going to pay him 16 million. So that restructure is paying the same money to someone. So it'd be still paying Jarvis Landry 16 million, but you're going to backload it with a signing bonus or something. So you can either do a new deal. So um, he would take a pay cut, which is a completely new deal. You're not restructuring because you're not moving that 16 million around. You're completely ripping up the 16 million deal and giving him a new deal. Obviously, he doesn't become a free agent by doing that. You just sign a new 100% separate contract. Or the second option is to give him an extension. So in the same way that Petonio got extended and they sort of backload that money and do some other stuff, that isn't a reworking of the deal. It's not a restructure. They just give him a new deal. And you're effectively either extending him or he's taking a pay cut by doing a completely new deal. You're not just moving that 16 million around. And that's, I think, where people get in the confusion. If you took a player, um, as we heard with the Packers, of you're just paying him the same money, but you're pushing it into the future. So restructure is just moving the same money around. You'll never take a player's money if you're restructuring a deal. Yeah, so the idea of like, Jarvis is owed $16 million per his contract. It's not like the Browns and Jarvis Landry's agent be like, all right, let's just restructure this. You know what? Instead of this, we're going to keep you on this final deal. We're going to pay you $8 million. That, 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 that doesn't exist. So if Jarvis gets cut or if Jarvis stays to understand the clarity of what would happen to the contract, you know, for example, Conklin restructure or rework, it, it, it's, fungible on how we use the words, but for all the people out there saying Jarvis can restructure his contract, basically they're talking about taking the guaranteed money and extending it over, you know, the life of a new contract. That's what, it, in essence, what they're trying to say, but they're just not saying it correctly. So out there know that we're kind of nerds with that. Stuff. And if you want to watch a team really kind of just go through the hells of restructuring and, you know, cap management, I, I send you no further than the Green Bay Packers. And for all the people out there, if you want to just see kind of how a team in cap hell goes through it, I recommend following Ken Ingles on Twitter. That's at K-E-N-I-N-G-A-L-L-S. He breaks it down at a very high level detail, how the Packers are going to get out of a $70 million cap hell. And it talks about restructures and all the different things they can do to those contracts. So the Browns are obviously not in that dire of a situation, but if you want to see how a GM has to rework, restructure, and sometimes let good players go, that's a, that's a good guy to follow. So Kangan goals, that's definitely one I would look at if you're trying to understand a little bit more about the cap. Yeah. And if you're looking at a player that would likely get restructured so uh restructure is just moving that money into the future look none other than miles garrett miles garrett is primed to have a restructure um later on in his contract i'm just pulling up his exact deal now um but he's got some bigger cap numbers and what you'll do with that bigger cap number is go um hey let's take his just loading now so just stalling his 2023 salary so next season um he's due 17.25 million so what they might say to him is, hey, let's take 16 million of that 
I think it might have to be slightly less, but um, let's say it's just 16 million for the ease of this. Leave 1.25 million as his base salary. And that 16 million, we'll just make that a signing bonus. So then that splits 4 million over 23, 24, 25, 26. So he's still getting the same money. He's happy to take a restructure because rather than that money not being guaranteed, they've just given him a signing bonus and he, he's paid straight into his bank account. But that makes his cap number a lot lower for 2023. It obviously increases his cap number for 24, 25, 26. But you just give yourself that short-term flexibility. So restructures is all about getting under the NFL salary cap number. It, it's pretty bad news as a team because you see the instances. And Hooper's the perfect example where people are going nuts this offseason of like, oh, I can't believe we're going to pay him that much money. Effectively, what Andrew Berry did when he signed Conklin, when he signed Hooper is like, built the restructures in at the time of signing and pushed all that money into the future. The, the old adage is you're in essence, you're kicking the can down the road, right? At some point you're going to have to pay the Piper. So you're talking about accounting. So the player doesn't really care because the players, Miles Garrett sit there and goes, I don't care if you pay me $17 million in the form of a check or a check to him. It doesn't matter. It's more of how the money is accounted for, in how they're being paid to the GM. That's really all it is. So, you know, a lot of times out there, people think, oh, we can just do this or do that and do this. It's like, no, that's not really how it works. And a lot of times with the players, you know, it's it's to them, it's, well, I don't care if you pay me $16 million as a signing bonus or you pay me $16 million as my salary. It doesn't matter to them. So, all right, now that we've got that cleared up, speaking of the Browns cap, we go into this offseason, there's, you know, the Browns aren't in cap hell, but let's not make it seem like, the Browns are sitting there with just a plethora of riches to spend on every available free agent that Browns Twitter and Browns nation would like them to spend it on because that is not really realistic. I mean, at this point, I think the Browns are sitting with about $27 million in cap space. They were at 23, the Conklin deal pushed them up to about $27 million. And we know that, you know, Treader and Landry and Njoku and Hooper, and there's a lot of guys out there with the Browns needed to cut some, some players and create, more cap space they could but also remember when you cut a player you have to then backfill the player with somebody else so if you cut austin hooper well now you have to go out and get a tight end so if they cut austin hooper and sign mike gasicki you actually just lost three million dollars of cap space and all she did was swap one player for another but one of the key things that teams do is they go out and find free agents who haven't quite reached their potential on other teams maybe they haven't hit the high dollar payday that they're looking for they look at a situation like Cleveland and say, man, I'm a damn good defensive tackle. You know, there's a couple guys we're going to name here. They're younger guys, former first round picks. And they're like, man, I just, I haven't got my shot. I'm on a bad team. I know that if I go to Cleveland, I can be a starting defensive tackle or I can get 40, 50, 60% of snaps. And when I show everybody what it's worth, then I can go ahead and make some serious money. You know, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Jadavian Clowney's salary this year like 4.7 million and then the rest was all incentives? It, no, so it was just backloaded using void years. So he was effectively 8 million, but yeah, they, they just backloaded it. So it wasn't much incentives. It was just, it was exactly this sort of like restructure semi thing. Um, they just pushed a load of money into the future um, as they love doing um, through void years. So we've still got a lot of, Clowney to pay even if he's not on the roster because we put it all on the credit card. That makes sense. So, so the idea is there are a lot of players out there who you can go out and get on. We're going to call them sub 5 million. So we're going to draw a hard line at $5 million. And we're going to say, you know, these are projected free agents that'll come in 
and the Browns can look at for positions of need that we think would be a bargain. So, you know, free agency is going to open um, what, March 17th. And these are guys that aren't going to get calls probably right away. These are the guys that are going to probably let the first few days go by. Um, and from there, that's what you'll find out and say, Hey, you know, are you interested in coming this way? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Um, so Jack, I know you put together a couple positions and names, so let's kind of run through just the type of players that we could see out there that may be a little bit of a bargain. Cause I think there's a couple of positions on this Browns roster that could really use some talent. And I think there's a lot of talented guys out there that you could kind of get for that sub $5 million uh, range. Yeah. So just to put the terms on it, that Ian's made a great point there and it's effectively these dudes, they're not going to be the early ones signed and we'll, we'll go position by position. And this is alongside an article that I put on the Dogland yesterday. So if you fire over there, you'll be able to read that. Um, but effectively we're just going to go through and we'll chat about the position as well. That is this sort of a, a position we see people being added. So We'll start with quarterbacks first, and we're not really going to spend on it too long. I don't think we're looking at cheap, cheap here. Um, I think they'll look for a solid player to come in and compete with Baker. I haven't got anyone on the list, um, but I could see it. But it's not one that I'm really going to get excited about, some cheap under-the-radar guy. Well, and I think that's mainly because of the quarterback position, right? So when you draw the line at $5 million and you think, oh, Marcus Mariota. No, Mariota is going to get closer to $10 million. Andy Dalton, these guys. These are guys are $8, 10000000 million guys. That's why when you kind of look back at the Case Keenum deal and it was $6 million, everyone's like, oh, $6 million for Case Keenum. But then I tell you, oh, Fitzpatrick's going to be $7, 8000000 million. Jacoby Brissett may be somewhere in the $7, 8000000 million a year range. Hell, Tyrod Taylor is a probably at the peak of what you're talking about for $5 million guys. So if you're really interested in, say, the Tyrod Taylors or the Colt McCoys, then, okay, we can have that conversation. But if the Browns are going to do a backup quarterback, it's probably going to be someone younger, not somebody like Colt McCoy that's damn near 36 years old. So that's you're bringing that's Nick the Mullins. bar. If you're going yeah. cheap and easy, bring in Nick Mullins. If you want to go flashy, yeah, you've got the Fitzpatrick's and other dudes we spoke about, but that's going to be more than your five mil. By the way, if you'd have bet money to Browns fans, whether Colt McCoy would have a 13 year NFL career when they drafted him in the third round way back when, you would be just collecting bankrolls of money at this point. I'll just tell you that much. Because after that hit in Pittsburgh, which is pre Paul and Jack time, I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched James Harrison just unload on Colt McCoy. That's when you need to see because that hit would get him kicked out of the league right now. Um, next up, running back, we're not even going to discuss anyone. It's a Hunt versus Dionis Johnson thing. We're not signing. There's Rashad Penny, some team's going to get a, a steal there, but we're not touching a running back. The only There's one guy. He's not really a running back, but I wouldn't mind if the Browns went out and kicked the can on this guy because he's kind of a hybrid. Cordell Patterson. Hey, I thought you'd go there. So Cordell Patterson is a running back slash wide receiver slash kick returner. If, if the Browns, because right now I think PFF has been projected somewhere around about $6 million a year, so he's a little bit over. But this is a guy, he is 30, former first-round pick, obviously, the Vikings. But he's a guy, if the Browns went out and said, I think you could be a dynamic piece of this offense, I would probably agree. I, I just think him, Felton, Hunt, I think you can, you can do similar stuff with all of them. You can, but ultimately, let's be honest, if I had to put some stock in Cordell Patterson as, say, my wife, because we're talking special teams now as well, so we're talking special team snaps, wide receiver, five, six snaps, and we're talking about running back three snaps or something like that. If Dearness Johnson gets a little too expensive 
and the Browns need a complete overhaul and wide receiver like we know they could. There's not many names, excuse me, on the running back list that even pique my interest. The one name on that list, though, is Cordell Patterson. All the other guys, sorry, I, I'm going to the draft and taking third day three guys because nobody on there even – I don't want to draft these guys in my fantasy teams. So next up, we've got wide receiver. Um, there's ah. two dudes on the list. One of them, I think, will sign later or a lot later in the window. One, I think, could go reasonably in sort of the end of the first week. So the first name, if you're going to replace Jarvis Landry um, and looking for someone as a slot who can come in and do a job, the name that stands out to me is Jameson Crowder. I think he's just a really solid option. I don't know if the Browns would go that route because it's sort of a commitment of if you're bringing him in, you're going to play three wide receivers slightly more. You'll probably be looking to build that up to two thirds of the time rather than 50%. Um, but he, he gives you solid. Jameson Crowder, guy out of Duke, obviously has been really just bouncing around the league. Was with Washington, was with the Jets. He's a veteran possession slot guy. I mean, I think you know exactly what you're getting when it comes to Jamison Crowder. So if the Browns feel that they need a veteran boost and a guy that's just reliable, absolutely, I can see him making that call. And if you've got a really, really young room, he's sort of leadership that it would help because you don't want to go into a season where you potentially draft two dudes. You've got DPJ, you've got Schwartz, and you've got Felton, and none of them have sort of really ever taken a mantle on their shoulders. Um, so you it's not optimal, but it's interesting. I'll let you do the next name. I think this dude could wait potentially all the way till post-draft, but he's got some flash. We've we've talked about this guy in the past. And if you're an Ohio State Buckeye, you very much very well, you very much know of the name of Noah Brown. So Noah Brown was a guy at Ohio State that came in with a lot of hype. And everybody was like, Man, this guy is gonna be the latest and greatest thing in the world. And he has a breakout performance in the bowl game, scores four touchdowns, ends up getting drafted by the Cowboys. If I'm not mistaken. I think he was a seventh round pick uh, in 2017. So he comes into the Cowboys and he's just kind of played. I mean, you know, he's played 50 games in his career. Uh, 2018 was the only year he kind of was limited, only played in eight games. But this is a guy, he's only started five games in his career. He has on his entire career, 39 catches for 425 yards. And ironically enough, has never scored a receiving touchdown. So you wonder, you're like, man, why, why would anybody be interested in it? He's 6'2", he's 225, he's a big receiver. And then you start going, oh, wait, Dallas has, man, they have Mari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. They have CeeDee Lamb. They have Dalton Schultz. They have Cedric, Cedric Wilson. Wilson. They have, so you realize you're like, Noah Brown is buried on the depth chart. He is your quintessential wide receiver five, wide receiver six of a team with a dynamic passing offense that's going to go, man, I can go to Cleveland and compete for, you know, we're talking about this guy has 66 targets in his career. And in the last two years, only has 24 and 25 targets on the season. So if you're looking to come in and say, I can get 40, 50 targets, he can double his targets then he's well worth the opportunity. And, you know, I really liked him last year. I thought he would be kind of a, you know, an op, an ideal candidate for what the Browns were looking at wide receiver. He signs a one-year deal, goes back to Dallas on a really cheap deal, if I'm not mistaken, but he's back out there now looking to kick in the market. And I just, I like the 225. I like the six, two. This is a guy that I think can just, I mean, last year he signed a, 
So they just kept him on $990,000 was his base salary. So he was, you know, basically the minimum. So no Brown's a guy I like, I've obviously watched a lot of his games in college and he's always just kind of a guy that, you know, I just feel hasn't got the chance in Dallas and Cleveland desperately needs receivers. And I think he could be a good one. No, and it's a perfect thing to look at. Players that are buried in strong position rooms are great guys to go after because if if he was on the Browns and he wasn't getting opportunities alongside DPJ Schwartz and Felton, then you're like, nah, that's not sort of someone you want. Whereas someone that is no real competition there is really promising. I've thrown another couple of dudes that I weren't brave enough to put in the article, but numbers-wise and stuff actually look quite good. So Deshaun Jackson, um, if you want that pure deep threat, hasn't had the best last season. And one that surprised me that I was just looking at metrics rather than particular players that shot up was uh, Laquan Treadwell. Oh, Laquan Treadwell. Actually, the the metrics, and he had a good season last year um, on limited opportunities. I don't think either of them will happen, but it's one that it was just funny looking through and it was like, if, if this was a different name, I might have been brave enough to include it in the article. If, if you're looking at Treadwell, I mean, he has the size, I guess, but another one to kind of, it's a name that's out there. I'm not curious. I'm not sure what his full desire is, but he's at least knows how to play winning football. So if you look someone outside of Jamison Crowder, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who's bounced around the league. Um, Steelers might be a bit too expensive. It's going to be right so, around the five. Yeah, that's what he's right at the peak. So we talk about five years. So we're just kind of using these projective contracts right now. He's projected at a one year, $5 million deal, but this is a guy. Here's his write-up, right? And I think everybody knows what Emmanuel Sanders is. Number three, four receiver as a chain mover still knows how to get open and capable of winning on the outside as a complimentary option in a good passing offense. I think that's what you're looking for because, you know, a lot of people talk about Cedric Wilson. Right now, Cedric Wilson's charted above the $5 million range. Keelan Cole above 5 million. Sammy Watkins is above 5 million. So you got to, you kind of got to tamper down your expectations. I mean, a guy I've liked a lot is Zay Jones in Oakland. Again, he's above $5 million in his projected range. So that's a guy right there where if you're just looking for some veteran options to come in and just be chain movers, there's a few names for you. Yeah, and it's, it's that instant leadership. You don't need to pay through the nose for some leadership. You can get it with a guy like, Sanders with Crowder so that's there next up is tight end and tight end might not be a position where we add anyone um I don't think we need to if you bring back either in Joker or Hooper you've got Brian there might be some like million pound no guarantees camp dude but I think they'd probably be okay with potentially adding someone through the draft another route if you want to make a splash I think we can make a really, really good case to OJ Howard. They're talking just over 4 million. Um, he's not going to really be a starter on any Ron's roster. And if you're not going to be a starter, well, you want to look to teams where you can be a number two and get lots of opportunities. And if there's a perfect example of tight end twos getting opportunity, it's the Browns. So while we might not be the flashy route for a wide receiver to come, I think OJ Howard offers us a lot of upside and it really works in his favor. Um, and if they look to tag him, why not tag it in Joku? Bring in someone like OJ Howard and let them compete. I think it's a big upside move and works really well for both sides. Yeah, I think tight end is one where, and listen, we talk, we we here are convinced, you know, we think that the Browns have a rightful reason to bring back David and Joku. This position room could change if the Browns decide, you know what, we want to do something else. 
You know, we talk about, oh, we can dump Hooper and create cap space. Well, all of a sudden, if, you know, you let Njoku go, now all of a sudden you do need to go out and look at some sort of a tight end. Obviously, this offense is very featured for tight ends, so it may be attractive for some of those guys that are in these offenses. Like, we talk about O.J. Howard. Well, O.J. Howard's in Tampa, where, let's be honest, people don't even think tight ends. I mean, they go through the wideouts, the wideouts, the wideouts, the running backs, and then finally somebody's like, oh, yeah, don't they have tight ends there? Oh, and then Gronk comes in and steals your entire thunder. So OJ Howard may be looking at something where if the Browns decide they want to re-update the, the tight end room, I mean, th- that's the perfect type of candidate. Or, you know, maybe there's a guy out there that the Browns like. I mean, there's not really a bunch of great names, to be honest with you. I mean, we talk about like Tyler Conklin, but he's probably well over the, the $5 million range. He's probably somewhere in that like 7 to $10 million range. So sometimes we just have to remember that it's easy to just kind of push these guys off to the side because you think they're going to be better. But then you got to remember that the guys you may be talking about may cost more with less production. So next up, we get to offensive tackle. Um, I'll touch quickly on a guy that I had in the article, but dropped out when we made the Conklin move. That was David Quisenbury. Um, played really well last year and could have been a right tackle option if we went to free agency. So it's potentially a name that if he can't get a gig anywhere else, but I think he will um, at 4 million. Um, for me, the best swing tackle on the market is Cornelius Lucas. I wanted him a couple of years ago. Um, that, for me, is the guy that I want. He's my number one. Hubbard's number two, as long as health's there. Cornelius Lucas, for me, is the guy that I would feel really, really good if we add him. Swing tackle. We talked a little bit about Hubbard with the Conklin thing. There's a couple names out there. I mean, you know, I, I don't think anybody would be you know, insanely happy, but if you want maybe a little bit of an insurance policy to Jack Conklin, you know, Bobby Massey's a guy that's out there, you know, you can probably get on the cheap. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what Nate Sodder, the guy from the giants, I know there was talk about him possibly retiring and stuff like that. Um, but he's a guy that if you want to bring in, listen, at this point, you're not talking about Joe Thomas is out there, right? You're talking about guys that who are brought in to bring a job. I remember, you know, Dennis Kelly was a guy who filled in for the the Titans a few years ago. He's on and my was list. Able to... He's the next dude on my yep. list. You got Dennis Kelly and Tom Compton. Um, exactly for that. that. Just take a punt on some dude. It's like, do I if they obviously aren't fully set on Conklin because the way that deal structured that that there's obviously some uncertainty. You need one of these dudes unless you feel comfortable with James Hudson playing the entire season. We're not talking about a little opportunity the entire season. So I think Dennis Kelly, why not? If, if you can't get Lucas, you can't get Hubbard or the hell's not good with Hubbard. Dennis Kelly, Tom Compton, you bring in a another th- free agent just to have some depth. Yeah, you're really looking at, you know, an OT3, OT4, you know, in terms of position. Who, do, who does Bill Callahan like for a nice you know, scheme fit plug and play guy who can come in here and just give you solid snaps. You're not going to get Jack Conklin production. You're not going to get Joe Thomas production. You're not going to get even Joel Batonio production out there on left tackle for all you people. But at the end of the day, if you need a guy that's going to be able to come in and maybe it's Cornelius Lucas is going to come in and be told, Hey, listen, you're going to start the first four games because we're going to let Conklin kind of ease his way back in. And Conklin's going to be your swing tackle for goal line sets and stuff like that. You're going to bring him in to get him a couple snaps just to kind of get him back going again, because if nine months puts him right in over the summer conditioning, I'm not everyone's going to argue with the Cleveland clinic, but one of these guys could look and say, Hey, I can go there and play right away and then sign a one-year deal and go on, put, Put snaps on tape. That's always what it's about. How many snaps can I get on tape so I can get paid, you know, once this situation 
you know, once I leave the Browns or once my situation improves. Trade him. It could easily be the case that they sat there waiting for Conklin to come back. And then when he's back, they have no real threat. And they like Hubbard through camp, but they're, they're Hudson through camp. And then they feel a lot better in come the time of the season. If you've got Lucas there and someone else loses, say, their right tackle, you could easily get to a case where someone picks up the phone and, yeah, you don't want to trade depth pieces, but who knows? We might have a defensive tackle go down in camp and we need a defensive tackle. And you're like, hey, you've got this third defensive tackle that you don't really need. We've got a third offensive tackle that we don't really need. Boom, give us a switch. And he's that dude's going to come start for us. This guy's going to start for you. Let's make that work. So um, all of those things play out. Add more quality pieces and you just never know what's going to happen. Is there anyone else on the offensive side of the ball we touched on before we jump to the defense? The, I mean, the only position is obviously would be triggered upon JC Treader leaving, right? So if they decide they're going to move on from JC Treader and you're saying, all right, I don't know how much you can just fully rely on Nick Harris to step right in and give you top 10 production. So Brian Allen, who's a center with the, um, with the Rams, he's a, he's a starting center in a zone heavy scheme. Um, these are the type of guys, maybe you're talking about Matt Paritis from the Carolina Panthers. He's a name possibly you could, you know, he's an older guy. I think he's like 32, but if you move on from Treader, you're going to have to have some sort of a veteran that you at least know. All right. If Harris plays like we think we can and get top 10 center production, but if not, I got this guy here that I can plug in right away to stop that gap and say, okay, if, if Harris starts leaking oil, I need to have a guy that I can bring in for cheap and say, plug him in and say, that's the guy we're going to roll with. Yeah, no, it's certainly one um, where they've looked for other stuff in the past. Um, I think, did we have Austin Blythe on the roster a couple of years ago in camp? Um, might have been last year in camp. Um, is one, who knows, it might be done. They might test out done at center and go, actually, we really like him as a number two. Um, or potentially fill both um, inside spots. Um, I mean, Austin Ryder, I mean, he was a guy that was with the Browns that filled in. He had a pretty bad 2021 season. That's why they went out and got the uh, the guy from Alabama, Creed Humphrey. So these are, these are the type of guys, Bo. But if you remember, you got to cut Treader. You're not going to draft another guy and say, all right, we're going to bring in a center. Who's going to be my backup center? Oh, we have Michael Dunn. We don't really have a center. So that's the idea there. So next up, we'll jump over to Edge. Um, this is a position the Browns certainly need because there's miles and there is nothing. Um, and it's really, really that simple. So we've obviously heard the discussions of edge twos. And if you're going to go get an edge two, it's over 5 million. Whether you're Houston, Ingram, Clowney, anyone, edge two, you are not getting that dude for 5 million or less. Um, it's not happening. Unless he has some, he's coming off of a serious injury or there for you to get a guy that you think is worth more than $5 million for sub $5 million means there's some baggage attached somewhere. But then you can't rely on them to be edge two. Exactly. Edge two potential. Yeah. But I think there's a very realistic chance that we add a edge three in free agency. Um, whoever that edge might three, be. Edge three, edge four, edge five, edge six. They're going to draft somebody. I, I feel really good that we're finally going to draft an edge. 
Yeah, they may draft Edge too. <laughs> <laughs> they may say, you know what? We really like David Ojabo at Edge too. And we really are going to go out and get three guys or so, or two or three guys at Edge in free agency. Because at this point, like you mentioned, Miles and a bear covered. Yeah. And I think they have more flexibility in, size, in terms of size. Edge two is generally going to be a bigger guy. We've spoke about this so many times on the podcast. They might go lighter with sort of a pass rush specialist as Edge three. Um, we had Tack in the past um, two years ago. Claiborne was two. Who was three? Um, can't remember. Talking about Port Augustine? Uh, didn't, didn't they sign someone else in the same year they signed um, Claiborne? So they're not a age three. Who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it wasn't really anybody that's notable. I'll tell oh, you no, that Clay, much. Claiborne was the three behind. Um, he, yeah, Vernon, he was. The, was the he two. was a three. Yeah. And then he just had a subpar year and they got rid of him after one year. Yeah. So the guy that I think we go after is 253 pounds. So he's not going to be your edge two is Okoronkwo um, out of the Rams. I think he would be a fantastic ad for the Browns as a three super athletic. And if Clowney is something they want to do. And they wanted to do Clowney last year, but they had to bring in Tack because you couldn't be in the Clowney sweepstakes with no backup plan. So they brought in Tack. In this case, they're bringing Okronkwo. And it allows them to sort of, if they do want to stay in the Clowney sweepstakes, they can play with that. But you have to have a backup plan. So I think he'd be an intriguing ad. And um, the dude just loves rushing the passer. Because that's all he can really do. Um, the only thing I, I want to say about him is right now he's slated at like that two to $3 million range. He had a pretty decent postseason. Yeah. I, th- I think it could be more and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. If that's four. Yeah. I, I think that you may have, because here's the one thing he's 26. So he's younger and teams are now realizing that pass rush is really important. So do I go out and maybe give, let's call $6 million to um, Okoronko, or do I give say eight to nine million dollars to Jerry Hughes, who's thirty three, or to Justin Houston, or you know, Melvin Ingram? Yeah. So the question there is, teams may be willing to pay a little bit more for that guy that has the potential boom capability. So I wouldn't be surprised if his market is pretty competitive because I think maybe a lot of teams see what we what we're seeing in Cleveland and saying, oh, this guy could be a really good edge three. I think a lot of teams are going to see him as a really good pass rush specialist. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the market for him and the market for uh, Jacob Martin out of the Texans are the ones that kind of heat up because these are the, just the pass rush specialist guys. We know that the Browns like to run a little bit of a, you know, sub package NASCAR package where they move guys around. Well, without having Clowney here, you can't have much of a NASCAR package if you don't have any cars. So that, that would be the thing is, you know, a lot of teams are developing these pass rush guys and they like these pass rush specialists. So I think the market for edge is going to be hot, hot, hot. And next we get to defensive tackle. This is a room where, they have oh nothing. Um, <laughs> it's not miles and nothing. It's a, just a nothing. Um, I got a couple kicking tees and a couple Gatorade coolers. So this is one where they were super active last season of adding everyone um, that they could get. If you picked up a phone and you were a defensive tackle, you were signed to the Cleveland Browns. Um, you didn't really need to do much else to get a foot in the building. So I think it's a similar strategy they're going to use this year. Um, so we've obviously got Sheldon Day that they could look to bring back. And that might be one where Sheldon Day doesn't want to rush into coming back because he might want to play the market. And some of these dudes are going to wait 
they're not guys you're going to pick up um, right at the start. Your BJ Hill, your Fat, Fatu Kassi, your um, DJ Jones, your Harrison Phillips, Harrison those Phillips, dudes yeah. are going to go. This is These are the dudes that are still going to be there. So we'll run through quite a few. I wouldn't be surprised if potentially Sheldon Day and two of these dudes get signed. Um, but the first name I'm going to go with is actually the only old dude on the list. Um, old, old dude. And that is Al Woods. Um, he sat out 2020, came back and had a great 2021. Um, he could play up to 50% of snaps. Uh, he was with the Seahawks, only costing around $2 million, And they might be happy just to have one veteran presence. He's not going to light the world up and you're not going to have him here long term. But just some really sensible, level-headed um, mentorship could be useful with a bunch of kids. Yeah, I mean, right now you've got Tommy Togiai and the, uh, Jordan Elliott. He's here just to play for camp and then uh, fight for practice. So, spot somewhere else. To, to your point, though, a guy like Al Woods comes in and says, hey, guys, like, no offense, you guys, but you guys blow. Like, at this at this point, like, you have all this potential in the world, but nobody's showing. I mean, and listen, that was one of the big values of Sheldon Richardson when he was here was having that veteran presence on the D line. So you bring a guy like that in who can just show and say, Hey guys, listen, this is how you're going to be a D tackle. Like Tommy, no offense, brother. I know you can bench press the house, but like your strength doesn't mean shit. If you can't do this, this, or this. So that's the type of value that a guy brings in. I think 50% snaps is probably a bit high for him. I think you're looking at a guy that's probably more in that 30 to 40% of snaps range. He'd be kind of that D tackle three, four range though. Um, next up, the next dude is Tim Settle. So he, this is the one guy that potentially we're talking over four million, spending a little bit of money. Um, he was with the Washington Commanders um, last year. So Redskins. this is this is very similar to the discussion we had on Noah Brown earlier. He's in a buried room. This dude's in a buried room. There is a lot and a lot of talent on that defensive line for uh, Washington, and this dude first round picks across the board. I mean, if you look at that Washington, Chase Young, all those guys, I mean, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, I mean, Sweat, they're first round, first round, first round, first round. You know, so that's why a guy like Settle, we talked about Dallas. Well, the Dallas wide receiving court in the Washington D-line, similar. And the dude loves rushing the passer, and he's really, really good at it. Run, not so much. So that's going to be an interesting decision. They might be happy to do it with one of the four dudes of going, look, if it's an obvious pass rush, Get that dude out there. If it's going to be a run, we're not playing him on early downs. Yeah, I mean, again, you're talking about the Browns are going to look at it and say, we need a D tackle that can do this specific skill set. You know, there's only so many Aaron Donalds out there, right? So it's not like you're going to, all right, who's going to be the next Aaron Donald? Who's going to be the next? This? No, I need a guy that is going to take up this specific role. This is the Belichick way. This is the Ravens way. This is the Steelers way. This is what all the teams do. You find a guy. For a decent amount of money, you know, three, four million dollars that can specifically do one thing. So if you're saying, hey, I need Tim Settle to come in on a third and eight or a third and long, and he's going to be part of my quote unquote NASCAR package or whatever it is. Now, remind me, the guy's 320 pounds. So it's not like you're bringing in a 270 pound D tackle. The guy's 320. And he doesn't have the greatest athleticism in the world, but for some reason, he's just effective in rushing the passer. Now, maybe that's because the first round picks that were in before him have just beaten the overall hell out of the linemen. Who knows? But that's the idea is you bring him in. There's a few other names on here as well that kind of fit into that same um, role that we're talking about. 
Yeah, so one I don't think we need to spend that long chatting about is Zach Kerr out of the 49ers. Um, another room that there's a lot of lot of talent generally on that, not as deep as the commander's room, but he, he's just good and he could be one of those pieces that they bring in similar to Sheldon Day quite late in the process just to compete. Um, the next name's more interesting. Former first-round pick, Taven Bryant. Uh, Jaguars, two really, really good years and then two not very good years. And that's the sort of, hey, come here, reclamation project. You're going to be stood next to Miles Garrett. That can be appealing for a player to take as a one-year prove-it deal because we've seen what happened to Clowney. You can now use that as a piece of going, look, get there with Miles and you will make you look good. Um, so I think they have been keen to bring in first, former first-round picks. We had Tack, we had Clowney. Could he be the next one in the line? Ryan was a guy that stuck out to me when I was going through my free agency list. Former first-round pick out of Florida. This was a guy who... He came into the league with a little bit of hype. I mean, this was a guy that made some plays at Florida and then he just kind of just disappeared. And I think that's easily, I think that happens very easily when you have a team like Jacksonville, where there's so much going on with the Urban Meyer stuff and all that other stuff that a guy like that gets forgotten. And this is a guy that has the stain of losing that's going to say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to go to a Super Bowl uh, winning team like the Rams. They don't have any cap money, blah, 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 blah. But if you're a team like the Browns, you can say, hey, we're an up and coming team. Here's a here's a place where you're going to get your snaps. And if you can produce, you're going to get recognized. We're going to win. You're going to be in a defensively sound division. You know, let's be honest. We're talking about uh, divisions in the league. The AFC North, when you think of defenses, is one of the top, you know, divisions. So if Brian's looking for, like you said, a reclamation, coming to Cleveland could result in a good number of snaps from him. It's a guy that's still 26 years old, has four years under his belt. That's one I'm just highly interested in. He was one that I kind of highlighted uh, as a guy that I would look at. And there's a few other guys on there as well, but. Next one is a draft crush. Um, obviously had the heart issue. Um, so that could just rule this one out because it's likely that the Browns had him off the board last time. But he's played in the league a few years and now they could go, hey, there's enough evidence or maybe his camp has got more medical studies available to teams to make them feel more confident. And that's Maurice Hurst um, would be a great add to any team, but it's all down to a medical, which none of us are doctors. Yeah, and that's one of those ones where you just got to trust the team. But this is a guy that fills a role, you know, coming out of Michigan, had a lot of hype. And fell in the draft because of that reason. I mean, this I think he ended up going in the fifth round and he's had a serviceable career. You know, it's it's one of those things where the Raiders got got the use out of him for a fifth round pick. I mean, can't ask for much more if they're them and then they just don't have the money, don't want to bring him back or, you know, who knows? Maybe he stays in the Raiders. I don't know. But at this point, he's a name that I definitely would have towards the top of my board, provided there's no flags. Yeah, next up is the last name we've got in the list. Um, if you want a one tech to come in and do a job, um, we mentioned him on the last podcast, and that's Danny Shelton. Bring him back if he's up for coming back, and he, he will just do the role you need him to do, and he'll do it really well. We all know what he is. We, it's, you, don't, you don't have to tell Browns fans much about Danny Shelton, but this is a guy you bring back. He's a veteran, 29, now been around a bunch of different schemes. You know, a lot of times we see these guys, you know, the Austin Corbett's and, you know, guys that have played here in Cleveland. And then we, maybe we gave up on him a little too early and then they find their role. Was Shelton ever worth a first round pick? No. But is he a guy that's now been a serviceable lineman? Yes. You know, there's a couple other names. I don't think I, I don't really have salary numbers on him. I'll just throw them out there. Jalen Holmes, 
you know, this is a guy 26 years old, Minnesota, New Orleans, versatile in terms of his three tech and his five tech, uh, a guy out of Ohio State. Um, not sure, you know, th- now some of these guys may be ERFRAs and that's kind of why. So that may why they're on their list. I just kind of wrote them down. Um, in terms of making a bigger splash, I don't know what his market's going to be. PFF hasn't projected at 8 million, but um, the guy I've seen a lot here just out of Chicago, Bilal Nichols, I think they have him slated around 8 million. But if the Browns want to bring in somebody that at least can give him starting level, he's a guy, Justin Jones uh, from the Chargers. Not sure if he has a projected cap number. Um, and then obviously the other guys we've talked about. So just a few names. I just see this is going to be one position where I think the Browns go at it pretty strong in free agency. Uh, so Jalen Holmes is a full free agent, um, got inside outside versatility. Um, so certainly one that could be an interest. Um, yeah, Blau Nichols seems interesting that he'd go that high. And who was the last name of the three? Uh, Justin Jones. Justin Jones. Jack's research. Over the cap and PFF, and then I can give you an opinion on any player. Um, so he is a full free agent. Um, is he on the list, Justin Jones? Um, no, I've not, I've not really seen. He has a very, his his birthday is one day before mine, just thirteen years later. So he's clearly a stud Virgo. I was going to say, if he's the same age as you, it's going to be a no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, he could certainly be one that they look at. Um, play played a few games in and out. I I, I think he's probably more likely than. Uh, the one you mentioned before of um, uh, Jalen Holmes. Um, I, I think, yeah, Justin Jones seems that perfect sort of candidate as your, why not just bring him in and kick the tires third round selection uh, for the Chargers. Yeah. I, if looking at an under radar name, I, I think Ian might have landed on a, uh, a real upside there. Just doing my due diligence there, Duffin. Due diligence, Duffin time. So Next up, we get to linebackers. Um, and I th- I think you're looking at a very particular skill set for what they'll look for in free agency here. We don't need a Sam. We've got Taki Taki. We don't need a Will um, because I think they're confident there. It's going to be a Mike um, that they'll need. Um, if they're looking for a starter potentially in front of Phillips, then it might be the return of Walker, somebody else. If they're looking for a solid piece behind Phillips, then the one I really, really like is someone who will be on his third um, AFC North team, and that's Josh Bynes. Um, Dude's been really, really solid, and I I just think it makes too much sense to turn down a guy that's going to be one to two million to come in and really do a job because who knows what's going to happen with Phillips' health. It's it's the same as Conklin. it's one of those things where we really like what Jacob Phillips could be. And I think that is what we're all kind of holding on to. Um, that's, that's pretty much, I mean, the Browns linebacker room, as you know, you got, you got some older guys, you got Malcolm Smith. So they're going to be, like you said, replacing for a role. You know, the question is, do they decide? I mean, Anthony Walker is kind of in that sub $5 million category. Um, I think he's projected at like a two for eight. So that's, that's the type of guy you're going to look at. If there's another guy that I kind of just looked at, then I was like, you know what? I'd maybe give him a call. Primarily, the only question I would have is how he and Taki Taki would work because Jawan Bentley, the guy from the Patriots, 
is an inside linebacker. His specialty is more run stuffing than it is pass coverage. So if you're looking for a guy, you know, like Jacob Phillips is better in pass pro. If you're going up against some heavier teams, uh, Bentley may be a guy they want to put there in the middle. And the other guy that I kind of, I don't know where he's going to be, but I watched this guy in college. He's kind of on the bubble at the five, six million. So if this market kind of dries up a little bit, you may be able to get this guy under five million bucks. That's Josie Jewell, the middle linebacker out of the Broncos. He's projected kind of in that six million dollar range for all the people out there that may remember. This was a kid that just made insane numbers of tackles for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, he's had a decent career in the NFL, um, was a 13th ranked linebacker in 2020. Unfortunately, 2021 you know, has, you know, limited snaps due to some injury. Um, so that's a guy, if the medicals check out and everything like that, you want to bring him in to play a role. He could be a guy that's looking to come in here on a short deal, kind of like Anthony Walker is play that middle linebacker role. He's good at a lot of things, not great at anything. So that's a thing where you could see maybe a guy like Josie Jewell coming in here and adding some toughness and filling a role. I also see him playing some special team snaps as well. No, I think if they're if they're not happy on the medical and direction of Phillips, then I think Josie Jules are an interesting one. But I, I really like the Bentley ad. Um I, I think that has got a lot of upside there. Um I just want to check, does he play specials? Um if you're in New England, you better. He he only played 32 special team snaps last year. Um, but that could be because they just used him more. But he played over hundred in 2019. So he, he can certainly do the job. Um, it might just be that he played 712 linebacker snaps, so they might not want to have used him there. I, I, I think Juwan Bentley is a, a really, really good shout there. Um, no, I don't. I mean, he, he's going on, not the article list because that's too late, but um, he, he's going on my list. There you go. And I did look it up. So Josie Jewell Taurus Peck on September 21st. So he's about six months away, uh, six months out on a torn peck. And if we remember right, Eric Weddle played the Super Bowl, the torn peck. So come on, Josie, get back out there, buddy. Yeah. Um, Joking. Next up, we get to a couple of safeties, um, which we've touched on before, both of these on the show. So I won't delve too long. It's Rodney McLeod and DeAndre Houston Carson. Um, I think they both offer stuff for the Browns. I would love to go bring in Marcus May. That is my man crush. Uh, at the moment for the off season. Um, but he's obviously going to be 6 million, um, which is dirt cheap for him. Um, but if not, hey, if we bring in a cheap one, one of these two dudes is going to do a job for us. Yeah, I, I think this is a position, again, you're talking specific fits. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to look to see. I know Kareem Jackson's a name that's out there. I've seen he's kind of more in your your free safety. This is a guy that used to be a corner, then kind of converted to safety. So if you're looking for those guys that can kind of play those hybrid roles with like MJ Stewart, you know, Kareem Jackson's a guy. Um, there's not too much else. I mean, I know Peppers is even above that 5 million. Ronnie Harrison's projected just below that. Oh, how the world has fallen for Anthony Harris. Remember everybody wanting to give him a really big contract? Well, you can go get him now. He's an unsigned free agent at 30 years old. You could probably get him for, you know, what? three, 4 million. So if Kevin Stefanski really liked him as a free agent was, you know, talking about $10 million a year, well now just by waiting, you can get him for about 3 million bucks. So Anthony Harris is another name. I know he's obviously linked here quite a bit, but outside of that, yeah, there's not much. It's certainly one that works though, to bring in Anthony Harris. Um, I'd happily have him there. Um, giving you that. We know what he's capable of. Put the other dudes nearer the line. Um, obviously if, if, if you only want two safeties out there, it works really well with, um, Delpit and, uh, 
John Johnson. But if you want to bring in a third safety, you bring those two both the two dudes both up, and then you put Anthony Harris back. Why not? It gives you as much flexibility as possible as well, because if one of those three dudes go down, you can still function. Yeah, and I mean, he went to Philly hoping it would be better, and it didn't. He went and tried to play his cards there, so maybe he wants to come back to old reliable. You know, obviously he has familiarity with all the guys in Minnesota. Joe Woods was there. A lot of those coaches that are on Stefanski's staff were there in Minnesota, so a little familiarity. Yeah, so I, I, that's really a run-through on what we've got. Wait, you mean you're not? we're not talking about cornerbacks? Oh, that's we must be drafting one. I kid, I kid. Just remember, if the Browns do sign any cornerbacks, we're going to make this real short. Any cornerbacks we sign in the free agency market will be on special teams. There you go. So unless they, we make a they trade, they might make practice squad. <laughs> yes. So you can. There's a lot of names out there. You know, if there's a guy, there's a veteran that they know that can come in and act as a backup. You know, to come into camp battles, maybe that's what you're talking about. Guys that can just come in and drive competition for QB or cornerback three, four, five. But other than that, I see them attacking this position young. If, if you're a free agent corner, why would you sign in Cleveland? Because um, nobody else wants you. <laughs> That's yeah. why. Because and, there's no real route to make the roster unless dudes get injured. So it, it's one of those where you almost take yourself out of position rooms in the same way as running backs and the Browns. Obviously different coming this year because you'll probably have a spot there for running back three. But if you look back to last year of like, it was a loaded depth chart. Why would you want to come there? It, it, that does play a factor if you've got loads of great players there no one's going to want it and go yeah i'll go work out for a team that i i might be there too off of making a practice squad a guy like i'm just going to throw one name he's a guy the market has he, he used to be elite the market's kind of on him he played for in minnesota a guy like xavier rhodes right so this is a guy who he doesn't have many years left. And, you know, if you remember right, Stefanski kind of brought in Andrews and Deho, and they're like, we're going to bring in a veteran guy. This is a guy that understands the scheme. You know, he was pretty good in man-to-man back in the day. He's going to be 32 years old. But if that guy, like, calls him up and says, hey, man, I'll take a vet minimum deal. Let me come in and battle a camp spot. And let's be honest. I mean, Greedy Williams, we speak very highly of him. But there's no guarantee that Greedy Williams is going to we, – we've seen health. <laughs> Yeah, so if a guy like Xavier Rhodes comes in, now you're not talking. This guy's gonna sign months, two months. He probably will skip OTAs if the market's dried up at first. What'll happen is he'll wait it out and then he'll try to latch onto a team later. But if there's nothing there and this guy still wants to play football, he could call his old friend up and say, "Hey, man, like any chance you want to just give me a shot? Let me come into camp. You know, give me a million bucks. It may be a non-guaranteed deal or something like that." Those are the type of contracts I can see. And it's just mainly out of, this is a guy that used to have something, understands the scheme and can provide a little bit of value. That's all I got. Yeah, so sets up really nicely um, for the Browns. Um, there's loads of cheap guys out there. And as we said, some of these guys might not even get signed this side of the draft. Um, so they're not going to stop adding free agents after the first week of free agency. The splashy dudes are most likely gone then, but there is still a lot of, pieces that they will add and build out the roster um what we've got in the pipeline we've got a show where ian first is going to take the lead and sort of present here's my free agency realistic not hey we're going to sign godwin um adams and mike williams in a free agency class um but jack the ram the rams do it the rams do it 
Hey, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone made the case for signing Clowney. Um, is it Harrison Phillips and DJ Jones alongside Miles Garrett? It's like, that is about uh, 25% of your salary cap on four defensive linemen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that one might, that might be rough. That might be rough. And a little bit update. And people always wonder why we record, uh, when we record. Little interesting news out of the NFL. Did you see who just retired? Yeah. Yeah. Ali Marpet. So ironically enough, I can tell you where Ali Marpet went to college. Uh, that'd be Hobart. Uh, not many people can do that, but I actually used to work with the folks over at Hobart. And when he got drafted, it was a big thing there. So Ali Marpet, seven seasons, top guard has decided he's following Tom Brady's path into retirement. So the, the Bucks will be in the market for a guard. They need a whole new team. <laughs> yes, they are. It's, it's yes, one, they are. When people are talking about, oh, they'll keep all these players. It's like, well, why would free agents want to stay there? They're not going to take a discount to play with Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Is this some sort of nuts idea of like Blaine Gabbert, the chosen one? Um, the Mitch Trubisky re- market heats up. Yeah, who knows? Kyle Trask could come in and light it up and we're talking about him as the uh, MVP next year. Yeah, I, I think sometimes... It's just, this is the world of the NFL, right? You, you push all your chips to the table and it doesn't work out. And then it just, the bottom falls out fast. And, you know, that's, I think a lot of times what really, what really gets lost in what the Patriots did is their ability to sustain championship level football through the whole of Tom Brady's career is just, it's so hard to do. And that's why, you know, a lot of people out there bag on you, Jack, and talk about like your emotional, your emotionless connections to players. That's unfortunately what the Patriots had to do. You know, a lot of people are, we're giving you a little bit of stuff. I don't know. Is it public about your Denzel Ward thing? Am I, am I breaking news here? No, no, I, I, I tweeted yeah. that. And people were deeply unhappy that we'd add a first round pick. It's like, and, and here's the theory. It's like, well, why would the Browns trade or get rid of Denzel Ward and then sign JC Jackson? Well, on the flip side, why aren't the Patriots signing JC Jackson? Right. This is a guy who wants $18 million top cornerback money. They paid it to Stefan Gilmore. This is a guy they just view and say, hey, you're a guy. We, we just, we drafted, we brought you in as an undrafted free agent. You got a ton of interceptions for us. And if you want to go get paid somewhere else, uh, we wish you the best. And people are like, well, why wouldn't you want to keep him? Why wouldn't you want to keep him? Now, is Denzel Ward better? Yeah, I think he is. But that's how they run business there. You got to remember, Patriots fans cheer for the names on the front of the jerseys. They had Brady on the back. But outside of that, you were just a role player. Randy Moss was just a role player. Every running back that came through there. I mean, Patriots fans loved James White for the longest time, and he never really, well, I think he won a Super Bowl MVP, but never made more than like $5 million a year. So they make all pros out of, you know, Joes, so to say. And unfortunately, in Cleveland, we want to spend all the money on the top free agents. Well, to, to sustain a level of success so you don't have a situation like the Bucs and some of these other teams, you have to get young, developing, talented players. And unfortunately, sometimes when it comes time, you know, when it comes to the point where you got to pay these guys, they're not worth what they're asking, you know? And all of a sudden, who knows? Maybe the Browns start the pipeline and we skipped over them in defensive tackles, but Sheldon Richardson, maybe he says, you know what, guys, I man, I really liked it there. Like, it was a cool place to live. My family really enjoyed it. Like, I got some, some people there that I know. Like, I'll come back for $3 million and play for you guys again. That's what, how is it that damn Jamie Collins always ends up back in New England, right? It's like every time. Well, that's because they know, hey, Jamie, remember that role, that specific role we had for you? It's still there. Do you want it? Yeah. Hey, Sean Richardson, that role that we have on the defensive line, it's still there. Do you want it? Yep. That's the system. Now, the, the Steelers are actually, I don't, we didn't talk about this. The Steelers are going to 
be going through quite of a transformation. I don't know if you saw their GM, Kevin Colbert is stepping down um, after the draft after 22 years. And this is a guy that specifically drafted specific players for specific roles. So hopefully he's been grooming someone because that is a big shot for the Steelers. Well, they've interviewed about 20 different people. So uh, it is an extensive search that they are doing there, but they look to hire someone for the long, long term. So it's going to be a very interesting job for someone to take on because it's not one where you're going to be, oh, we'll get fired in a year, two years. You're not worried about that um, going to the Steelers. And could you imagine talking, obviously, about the Patriots, if what would have happened with them trading Chandler Jones? And I know Chandler Jones isn't quite Miles Garrett, but that was the level of uh, dominant edge rusher. And they were like, yeah, we'll move him on. It's all, it's all good. And there was just not a care in the world when they did it. Um, Bill Belichick didn't care. He's not interested in emotion. And he's very much a man that lives in the moment of we can scheme up the pressure, can't scheme the coverage as much. And they just they, they just moved him on. And they, they didn't get an incredible return. Um, but they are just completely driven to... I don't care what you've done in the past. If we extend you, what are you going to do in the future? Um, and people use the past too much sometimes to go, hey, he was great for the last three years. That doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to be great for the next three years um, because the career arcs of NFL players are so bad. But just because you touched on the ward, for anyone that wasn't following on Twitter, what I tweeted a couple of weeks ago, I made the case for if New England don't re-sign JC Jackson, I think they'll end up tagging him. Um, and he hits free agency. Why not sign him for 18 million and then trade Denzel Ward for probably a first and a third? Um, because then you're in a position where you've got very similar quality of players. There's not that much between them. Um, you could argue slightly in favor of Denzel Ward, but you, there is not much separating them. Whether you're looking at box score, PFF, their PFF grades are literally identical for each of the last three years. Um, you move him on because you're saving 4 million a year, which is marginal. It doesn't really matter, but getting an extra first and a third. And then that decision of, do we take call off this Drake London, Garrett Wilson? Well, actually two out of the three of those dudes we're going to draft. So you could have like a wide receiver room that has Garrett Wilson and Drake London next year. And um, if you can do those crazy out the box things, why not as a team, you cannot tell me Denzel Ward is better than call off and JC Jackson. It's just not realistic. Sorry, I, I, I refuse to believe it. Just, so I just went down the rabbit hole of that Chandler Jones trade. So for all those wondering, Chandler Jones was traded. Now, it, the Patriots picked up his fifth-year option, and then Chandler Jones got in a little bit of trouble with some weed, right? There was some synthetic weed and stuff. So then he got traded to Arizona for Jonathan Cooper, the bust first-round guard, and a second-round pick. That second round pick was actually one pick after. So it was the, the Patriots had the 60th pick. It was the 61st pick as well. So they had back-to-back -back second round picks. Patriots said, oh no, my friend, we're going to trade that to the Saints. The Saints ended up taking Vaughn Bell with that pick from Arizona. Well, the Patriots turned that second into a third and a fourth with the third round pick. They took Joe Tooney, the guard, and then with the fourth round pick, they took Malcolm Mitchell. So for Chandler Jones, they got Malcolm Mitchell, Joe Tooney, and Jonathan Cooper. Chew on that one, Browns fans. You trade Chandler Jones for those three guys. It's not good. It's not yep. good. And the Patriots were vying to win the NFC East this year. <laughs> so it's almost like it didn't really quite matter all that much because the system works.
Yeah, no, it, it, it's ruthless because as well, you look at those three players, but you're not then factoring in the, well, that was 16 million probably back then. They saved a year that um, he would have got as a contract. Well, that's money they can use to re-sign other dudes and other things like that. So the money is a big factor in there as well, but it, it's one where I, I'm ruthless. I, I really don't care. It does X move get the Browns nearer to winning a Super Bowl. If the, the answer is no, then I'm not interested. Um, I, I do not care about your emotion, um, any of that sort of stuff. I, I want to win rings, rings with an S. Yeah, and all, and ultimately, look, I know that sometimes we talk about the media circus. Did does anybody know that J.C. Jackson is out there bitching that the Patriots are like they won't even talk to me they won't even talk to me about a contract you click on jay's like well yeah you're doing what you expect so you know if that was cleveland and you know josh cribs comes out or one of our players comes out and says they're not even talking to me about a contract we push that shit to the front of espn.com the patriots top cornerback is out there bitching about this nobody cares and they're gonna so. go off and have a great season um next year so that, that's what we're talking about um but yeah, any shows you want us to do now, we're not going to get too heavy into draft pre-free um, agency because, quite frankly, once free agency happens, we'll have an idea what happens in the draft. A lot of it now is just theory and trajectory and other stuff. We'll jump into that once we get free agency, at least the first week or so of it out the way. Um and so, some big things are going to go on in the NFL in the next week. Obviously, it's really sounding like uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to make his decision coming up here in the next few days. The lean right now is it'll be on the McAfee show on Tuesday. Um, and then from there, we go right into the NFL combine. So I have just started to look at some of the draft prospects now, um, putting together just guys I like. Free agency, obviously, is going to kick off here in a couple weeks. Uh, so we got that to look forward to. But ultimately, you know, next week's going to be all the combine. And we're going to have to see what the Packers are going to do because there's some players on that team that, you know, may become available, you know, or Rashawn Gary or somebody like that that could really help the Browns. But it all really hinges on what Aaron Rodgers says. And by the way, also just on the Rodgers thing, I did find it a little funny that Greg Jennings is out there talking shit about Aaron Rodgers. So also, guys, that happens when former players – for a team, talk bad about the current players. Yes, I'm talking to you, Braylon Edwards, you jackass. But anyway, so this isn't just in Cleveland as well. It happens everywhere. But yeah, a lot of things are going to be happening in the NFL. A lot of decisions are going to be made. Um, people are starting to get some extensions out there as well. So teams might start locking up players if that free agency crop. Remember, at the Combine, there's a lot of talking going on. So you're going to get a lot of news and tidbits start leaking out over players linked to certain places or teams' plans to bring you know, to bring back uh, certain guys. So you're going to start hearing some wheels start moving in the NFL. I know we've had a quiet period the last couple of weeks, but come next week, it's going to fire right back up. Uh, as always, go Browns. Go Browns, and that's multiple wings with an S. <laughs>